Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedules today. I could have interrupted snack time, or nap time, or play time. Also, that you can come and answer some questions. We're very thankful for your time. All right, so my first question for you is, what is the Christmas story? The Christmas Story is a movie. Um, it is about a boy that really wants a BB gun. It's the story where Jesus was born and how Christmas was made. Who were Jesus' parents? Mary and Joseph. Mary, Mary and Joseph. Mary and Joseph. Now, how? Joseph. Joseph. Okay. How did how did Mary and Joseph find out they were having a baby? I don't know. An angel came to show that. The angel came down and told them the name of Jesus. What did the angel say? Um, Mary, you're gonna, uh, you're gonna marry to Joseph. You're gonna have a baby. Do you think she was like, what? A baby? Do you think she was happy or scared? Half a little bit scared, a little bit happy. Yeah, that makes sense. Kind of. Tell me, what did Mary and Joseph do next? Joseph had to go to Jerusalem to be checked for because he was a member there. He had to be like everybody who's in like Jerusalem has to go into this place and say, I'm here, I'm part of Jerusalem and all that. So how did they get to Bethlehem? Uh, they rode a donkey. Oh yeah? Have y'all ever have you ever ridden a donkey? No, I'm not allowed. You're not allowed. So what happened once they got to Bethlehem? They, so there was no more, there was no more, there was no more room ah. in the houses, and the only thing that was available was to was go into a stable. What animals do you think were there when Jesus was born? A pig. A lamb. A lamb. And llamas. Wait, llamas. Probably a cow. Cow? They were probably, the cow was saying, move over, Jesus, you're in my bed. So she has baby Jesus while all these stinky animals are making these noises in the stable, which is kind of like a barn on a farm. And then who shows up? Um, those uh, shepherds. How did the shepherds find out about it? They, one angel um, told them at, at, um, there was, uh, there was a baby in Bethlehem, and then a whole, and then a whole bunch of angels came and, 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 and praised. Was anybody else there? Uh, the wise men got there three years later. Actually, wise four wise men. Wait, was okay. it three or four? Well, I don't, I don't know. So I, was... I think it was three. What did the wise men bring with them? They brought, they brought gold, a candle, and, and, a, and a cinnamon stick. Frankenstein, I think. Frankenstein? Well, it's like a baby shower, basically. A baby shower after the baby came. That's exactly what it's like. Yeah. And I think it wasn't that when baby showers started or something? Oh. Did you learn something new about the Christmas story? Merry Christmas. Uh, we want to welcome those of you who are joining us from an off-site campus or on the internet and in every nook and cranny. In fact, right now, we are using every available chair in this building somewhere. And 
Uh, thanks for coming. Thanks for being a part. We're working on a solution that uh, maybe not next year, but the year after, we'll have more space. Uh, feel like the guy in Bethlehem that didn't have room in the end. Uh, but we want you to be here. We want you to be here. So uh, everybody, uh, shopping done? Did you guys shopping done? Better. I mean, there's, we're about it. T minus zero. We're there. <laughs> Heard about a guy this afternoon that went to a town center here in Mount Pleasant. Had one more gift to buy. And uh, so he goes in and he gets a clerk and she says, what do you need? And he says, well, I'm buying for my wife. I don't know. Help me. And uh, guys, have you ever been there? And so she said, no problem. Come to cosmetics. We'll get you fixed up. So she pulls this big bottle of perfume, sets it on the counter. He says, how much does it cost? She said, $300. He said, I love her, but not that much. <laughs> uh, give me another one. So she pulled out a smaller bottle. How much? $100. Woo, still a little bit too rich for my blood. And uh, she, you know, she's exasperated. So she pulls out this little $50 bottle of perfume. And he says, come on. He says, just show me something cheap. She said, I can do that. So she got him a mirror. <laughs> I hope that's not you. Has nothing to do with the message, but I thought it was a great joke. <laughs> so, uh, how many of you traveled on Christmas? How many of you, okay, how many of you travel at least 100 miles? 100 miles, raise, raise your hand, 100 miles. 100 miles, okay, 100 miles, all right. All right. How many travel at least 500 miles? 500 miles, okay, over here. Where, where else? 500 miles, okay, five, whoa, lots, okay, 500 miles. How about 1,000 miles? Anybody 1,000 miles or more? Wow, way back in the back, lots of you. All right, all right. 2,000 miles or more? You guys are going to win. Okay. Uh, where did you come from? India. What part of India? Wow. Near Mumbai. Yeah, you win. Okay. We're glad you're here. We got something for you right here. Here we go. All right, there you go. If, uh, yeah, give me a hand. So if it doesn't fit, take it to the bookstore and uh, they'll get you another one. So anyway, wow, Mumbai, that's great. That's great. I, I've been there actually several times. So what was I going to talk about? Um, <laughs> travel. Oh, have you guys ever, uh, have you ever gone somewhere, and you were excited about it, and at some point you asked yourself, why am I here, and what was I thinking? Anybody there? Not tonight, hopefully, but <laughs> has that ever happened to you? So, a few years ago, Debbie and I were going to go to Israel, to the land of the Bible. We were going to see where the whole Christmas story takes place, Bethlehem, and, and uh, Jerusalem, and and, and maybe even Nazareth. And, and so we're, we're excited. What we did is we flew to uh, Europe, and then we're going to take a cruise. And first time we'd done anything like that. And so we cruised around the Mediterranean, and then we cruised into Egypt. And 
And the next day, we're going to Israel. We're just like little kids. I mean, I can remember it like it was yesterday. We're putting our clothes out on the bed. What do they wear there? We'll wear. We're going to see where Jesus was, maybe walk where Jesus walked. We're so excited until the ship caught on fire. And then that caused some consternation. Now, what, what happened was we're, we're, people are running through the, the hallways yelling, fire, fire, and there's alarm going off. And I thought, well, I'll get a picture. And so I went out on the deck. And I, what you need to know about this is I'm on the 11th floor. We're on the 11th floor. I'm looking up to the 13th floor. You can just barely see the red right here. Can you see that? When you, if you got back far enough from it, it was flames coming out of the smokestack, and the fire was on the first floor. This is a serious fire. They tried to convince us early on that it's just a little fire, but later in the middle of the night, they're saying they're fighting like crazy, and they're fighting this fire. And, you know. and so, so we spent the night, most of the night, uh, sitting... Uh, with life jackets on the floor in a muster station, Debbie and I with a thousand of our newest friends. And there is no electricity. There's no water. Uh, there's, there's no food. There's nothing worse than a fire on a boat, okay? And, and not only are we sitting on the floor, but this little cruise director has got a bullhorn every 10 minutes going, be quiet, be quiet. You can't say anything. They're fighting very hard to save our lives. Be quiet, be quiet. So we had to sit on the floor and be quiet for hours. It's getting hot, it's smelly. Pretty soon, middle of the night, early toward the morning, <clears throat> after apparently some complaining, cruise director comes back on and he says, those of you who are smokers, if you need a cigarette, there is a line that's gonna form right by that door. We'll let you out for 15 minutes onto the deck and you can smoke. And so I immediately got up and went and got in line. <laughs> True story. And Debbie says, you don't smoke, what are you doing? And I said, I am willing to start if it gets me out of where we are right now, okay? Have you ever felt like that? Why are we here? How did this happen to us? Christmas is about travel. How many of you at some point during the uh, Christmas season have, 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 have asked people, where are you going for Christmas? That's one of the things. Where are you going? You staying home? You going somewhere? You traveling? It's about a journey. The very first Christmas story is about a journey. It's about Mary and Joseph and living in Nazareth and having to go 90 miles on a donkey at nine months pregnant. Come on, ladies. Talk to me. Clear to Bethlehem. How did we get here? What is that about? I, I would imagine Mary at some point probably said, you know, I was excited at first, but how did we get here? Why are we here? How do we get out of this? So here's what I want to do. I, I want to talk to you about journeys. And I want you to think about a journey that you're on right now. We're going to talk about their journey. And I want you to think about a journey that you're on, because we're all on journeys. No two are alike. You know, you may be uh, right now on a faith journey, and maybe it's new to you, or maybe you've been on it for a while, and I want you to think about that. Or it might be a relational journey. You know, you may just be starting a relationship. I know I was talking to one of our friends 
just a few minutes ago that um, just got married last weekend and they're just back from the honeymoon and, and I, said, I said to her, I said, how's married life already? And she said, oh, it's great except for this funny guy that follows me around everywhere now all the time. So it's going to be like that all your life. Just get used to it. Or maybe you're a little further along in your journey and maybe it's a difficult year. Maybe this has been a real tough year relationally. You may have lost somebody this first Christmas since, since a loved one uh, died or maybe it's a divorce or, and, or maybe the journey is just rocky right now. Maybe it's a financial journey that you're on. Uh, it could be a health journey, health journey might have to do with infertility like the Christmas story did or, or it could be you know, a recent report on your health that's kind of got you a little upset and you're looking at the future. I don't know how this journey is gonna, is gonna end. So I want you to think about your journey. Could be career. And I, I believe that we'll learn some things as we bring our story up next to the Christmas story. And here, I've got three things I wanna talk to you about that uh, I think are in the Christmas story. And the first one is this. Wherever you are on your journey, especially if you're just starting, you need to muster as much enthusiasm as you can. As much enthusiasm on the front end of the journey. Trust me, because you're gonna need it along the way. Mary's journey begins with just an incredible story. I mean, an angel, my goodness. Have you ever seen an angel? I haven't. I've never had an angel tell me what the next step for me was. It would have been handy sometimes, you know, to go, wow, that's pretty definitive. But an angel shows up. It's a little scary. She was afraid. The angel said, it's okay. He said, you're going to be blessed among all women. You are going to bear the Messiah. Scary stuff, exciting stuff. Well, how does Mary respond? She could, could have responded uh, just with doubt and unbelief, or she can respond with faith and enthusiasm, and she chooses the latter. She, uh, in Luke chapter one and verse 38, says, then Mary said, behold the maidservant of the Lord, let it be. Started singing a Beatles song. Let it be, let it be. You know, nobody has laughed at all in any of the services at that. I thought it was great, but apparently not. Let it be to me according to your word. The angel departed from her. Then what she's gonna do, she's gotta tell somebody. Gotta tell somebody. And so she goes to her cousin Elizabeth's house. Elizabeth lives down the other side of Jerusalem. It's 90 miles, 100 miles from where she's at. But she's just now pregnant and she, she hooks on with a caravan going down there and, and she finds Elizabeth and she shares with her about this this miracle that's growing inside of, inside of her. And they laugh together and they cry together. And, and she, she says in uh, Luke chapter one and verse 46, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Enthusiasm, that's what we call that the Magnificat. A lot of good music has been written about that. She's at the start of her journey, she's excited and she needs it because she's gonna need that enthusiasm soon. You know, if you're facing a new journey, embrace it with as much enthusiasm as you can muster. If you're, if you're on a journey that it's not brand new and it, maybe, they're, maybe you feel stuck, I wanna challenge you, let, let's, find, let's find enthusiasm. How do you do that? You know, if you're, if you're a, a, a Christ follower, 
The Bible says that, that your steps are ordered by God. And sometimes that's hard to see. But when we come to a place of trust, we can go, you know what, God, uh, I'm gonna, I, I need your joy. The Bible says the joy of the Lord then becomes our strength, enthusiasm, joy. In fact, the word enthusiasm is from, literally from a Greek word, in theos, in God. And so as believers, we, we have this resource in God that we can tap into. Now sometimes um, it, it's hard to, to have a good attitude. Anybody around here ever had a bad attitude when you ought to have a better attitude? Anybody at all? Just me? This section is so pure right here. Let me preach to you guys for a little bit. So sometimes it's hard to be, you know, you're in a tough spot and how can I have the right attitude or enthusiasm? Let me just challenge you. Sometimes you just need to borrow somebody else's enthusiasm. I think that maybe is a little bit of what Mary is doing when she goes and sees her cousin is she, she's borrowing some enthusiasm. And I know uh, we have a response time at the end of every one of our services and we have prayer teams at all of our cam campuses that, that are, are people that are full of faith. And I, and I say at the end of our services on the weekend, listen, if you're sick in body or sick in spirit so, or just sick emotionally, sometimes you're, you just can't have faith or you, you feel like I don't know that I can have the attitude that I need to have. You can borrow somebody else's. James 4 says, uh, or James 5 says, um, if there are any sick among you, let them call the elders of the church. The prayer of faith will save the sick. And the, the prayer of faith doesn't necessarily have to come from you. It comes from somebody else who has faith. And so just borrow that. Maybe you need to borrow somebody's enthusiasm in your journey right now. So start it with enthusiasm. Second thing that I kind of see about journeys is expect a few obstacles along the way. Any testimonies on that, on your journey, obstacles? Or has it been pretty smooth the whole time? No, we all have obstacles. Sometimes they're circumstantial obstacles. That's the way it was for Mary circumstances. This isn't lining up. So think about this. Let's take this story. Angel comes, announces, you're going to have a child. It's going to be a miracle baby. She goes down around Jerusalem to her cousin, long trip. She's young. She's just, you know, barely pregnant. She can handle that. She comes back and she waits. And in her ninth month, Joseph comes to her with some bad news. Listen, Caesar Augustus, who is the ruler, he wants to take a census. Now, why do governments want to take a census? So they get more taxes. Some things never change. That's why we have census every few years here. And we want to count people, he says. And what we've got to do is we've got to go down to my hometown, which is Bethlehem, and it's about 90 miles. And uh, it's a bad season. It was a rainy season. Tough trip. Uh, if you've ever been to Nazareth, you know it's on a, it's on a hill. And you go down into a valley, and then you got to go over a whole range of hills, mountains. And then you go down into a valley, the Jordan Valley, and go along the Jordan River. And it used to be a forest right there. And the forest was, had bear and lion, wild boar. It's a dangerous place. And then besides that, you've got criminal element along the way that know that people make that journey and so they're, they're looking to waylay somebody, and so you've got to find a caravan. And I would imagine if Mary was anything like me or you, at some point in that journey, she's going, why? 
I mean, if I'm in the center of God's will, why are things so hard? I mean, I, I've already been down there once. I could have just stayed. Why do we have to, why do we have to make this journey? I mean, I mean it, we're doing the best we can. Some of you feel that way too. Some of you are following God, trying to do the best you can, and circumstances just aren't lining up, and it's life's hard, just harder than what you think it should be. Let me give you just a thought. If that's you, let me give you just a thought. Most of us are familiar with this concept that, you know, it's not about the destination, it's about the journey, right? Don't be so focused on the destination that you don't enjoy the journey and all that. I'd like to flip that on you here just a little bit. Because I think in this case, it wasn't about the journey. I mean, what's Mary got to learn at nine months and on a donkey and 90 miles and 10-day travel probably, normally five days and double that for their condition? It's about the destination. It's about the destination. She doesn't understand that. But think of it this way. So the Messiah has been prophesied by the prophets in the Old Testament, that he would be born in Bethlehem. He would come out of the city of David, Bethlehem. And so, in order to fulfill prophecy, God's got to move them from Nazareth to Bethlehem. So it's not about the journey, it's about the destination. It's just got to get them there. And so while it, while it seems to them this is impractical, the timing's not good on this, what's up? That's why, um, that's why these days uh, when something happens in my life, I'm real slow to put the good or bad label on it because you really can't determine that unless you're omniscient, unless you know what the destination is and what's needed on the journey. And so he wanted them to move, and, and sometimes, it's, sometimes it's hard. And for you, you may be in a, in a tough place right now, and it seems like, wow, the timing's really off, and... What's going on? Just maybe, just maybe, God has a destination for you that he wants you to move to. And I, I, sometimes that's a physical de- destination, but usually it's a spiritual place or it's an emotional place. It's a Bethlehem. God has a destiny for you. And so, and so he uses circumstances sometimes to, to get you there. You gotta trust him in that. So sometimes it's circumstantial uh, obstacles. Some obstacles will be relational Some people will not understand the journey that you're on. It's true of Mary. I imagine some of her family couldn't understand the journey. 14 years old, marrying an older man, pregnant, there's been no relationships. This is a miracle. I don't understand this. We do know that Herod didn't understand her journey and and, uh, more than didn't understand the journey. Herod is a king. In Bethlehem, wise men come to visit. Remember that story, wise men? Learned all about that in the little video that the kids gave earlier. Wise men came to visit. What did the wise men do? They went to Herod. They said, they've done their homework. We're looking for a king. A king is born in Bethlehem. They've read the prophecies. They see things in the sky. And Herod goes, whoa, there's already a king in Bethlehem. That's me. We don't need another one. And so here's what he does, is he does everything he can to kill the dream before the dream is fulfilled. And you know what? There will be people on your journey, some intentionally, some unintentionally, 
that will try to kill the dream before the dream is fulfilled. For you, it may very well be an insecure coworker or a friend who's jealous of what's going on in your life right now or family members who don't understand. When we sensed God's call to our Bethlehem, which is here, Charleston, we're uh, from Colorado originally. We've been living in northern Illinois for about eight years until I become a Cubs fan by the grace of God. Cubs won the World Series this year. I don't know if you knew that. But we're, 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 we're minding our own business and we sense a call to Charleston. It didn't make sense, but we knew God was in it. And there were some who were close to us who could not understand the journey. Couldn't understand the journey. There'll be some that are close to you that maybe couldn't understand the journey. I wanted everybody to have the pom-poms on to be excited about what I was excited about, but there were people that weren't. There'll be people that won't for you. They won't understand the journey. Maybe it's your faith journey. And uh, you know, you've decided, I'm gonna go after it in God. And there are people around you, maybe even in your own home, that don't understand the journey. And that's frustrating. It could be, uh, you know, it could be uh, another part of your journey. Maybe it's a journey to sobriety. And, uh, and you've bravely decided to, to, let's go after an area that's held me back and some of your old party friends say, why don't you party with us like you used to? Especially during the holidays, it's so, tempta- so, so tempting. And, and maybe they say, what, are you better than, than us? Are you better than we are? They don't understand the journey. Um, some won't understand your financial journey or your career journey. Who do you think you are aspiring to that? See, at times, you'll feel like the whole world rises up to tell you who you cannot become, what you cannot have, and what you cannot do. Those are the voices of less. I call them the voices of less. They're all around. That's the voices you hear all the time. What do you do? Be respectful, be kind, but listen to the angel. Listen to the angel. Listen to the voice of God who tells you that you are capable of a lot more than you think you are. He is the voice of more. And you are made for more. Don't ever forget it. Some obstacles will be circumstantial. Some will be relational. And some, and the the most difficult ones, will be personal. In moments of weakness, your fear and self-doubt can cause you to question the journey. I don't know about Mary, maybe after the memory of the angel had faded and the weariness of the long journey kicks in, Mary probably has the same questions of fear and self-doubt that you and I struggle with. Can I do this? Can I be a proper mother to this child? Will we be able to make a home? What if we can't do it? What if we don't make it? What if everybody else is right? See, the biggest object, uh, objection, actually, to the success of your journey stares at you from the same mirror that Cheapskate had in the morning. There, I tied it in. (laughs) See that? (laughs) Circumstances and the voices of others pale in comparison to the barriers we erect within ourselves. We see ourselves as so unworthy, as our journey is so impractical, as our mission is so impossible. In fact, in fact, that's what Christmas is about. 
Christmas is about an improv, improbable candidate on an impractical journey for an impossible mission. Hmm. Sounds like you and I. In fact, that's a similar pattern that you find all the way through the Bible. In fact, Old Testament, there's a story of Moses. Remember Moses? Moses is a guy that um, he fouled up in life. He made a major mistake. At 40 years old, he thinks his life is over. He, he actually killed somebody. Thought he was doing the right thing, wasn't doing the right thing. Everybody was after him because of that. Had to run. He's in a foreign country, basically hiding out for the next 40 years of his life. Feeling like a failure. I blew it. I had so much and I blew it. One day God comes to him and says, hey, I'm looking for somebody to redeem my people and you're uniquely gifted to do that. Moses looks around and goes, me, uniquely gifted? I'm a failure. I killed somebody. They're probably still after me after all these years. And besides that, I can't even talk. I stutter. A leader has to be able to communicate. I can't communicate. It's such a frustration to me. And somehow God convinces him, you can do it. You can do, I, I at least give it a try. Go and talk to him. And Moses says, okay, um, but who shall I say sent, sent me? Who, who, who sent me? What he needs is a bio, a bio. Do you know what a bio is? I, I speak from time to time in other places and they always ask me for a bio. A bio is kind of so that when you stand up, somebody introduces you and and so that people have a reason to listen to you, okay? Why, why do you listen to this guy? Well, here's some, here's some reasons. Now, not everybody needs a bio. Some people, it, their name is their bio, okay? Jay Leno. Okay, we know who Jay Leno is. Well, let's get a little bit more current than that. <laughs> how, about, um, how about Jimmy Fallon or Martha Stewart? They don't need a bio, they just got a name. Some people don't need both names. Beyonce. What's her other name? I don't know. I don't think Madonna has a second name. You know? Bono. What's Bono's real name? Bono. Everybody knows that. But there is one name that is above every name. And watch this. Watch this. Okay? I've got a cool thing I'm going to show you here. Let's see if it works. Talk amongst yourselves. Let me get my pen going. Okay. So, so Moses goes, what's my bio? Who do I say sent me? Because I'm an improbable candidate. And God says, you tell him this. You tell him, I am sent you. Say what? I am sent you. Really? Let me tell you something about I am. You ain't. You is becoming, but you aren't I am. Here's, here's what I mean by that. You ever, uh, you ever have a conversation where you say, you know, I learned something. You, you make a mistake, you figure it out, and you learn something. People ask me, what would you learn from that? And I used to say, well, I learned this, but here's what I try to say these days is, I am learning this because I have not learned completely anything. Does that make sense? Is that getting too deep in the weeds? Yet you're always in process. You are becoming. You're always learning. You have not learned. You are learning. We are all becoming everybody but one. There is one who is, who was, and who will be. 
the great I am, the one who has always existed before and after, and he's the one that said to Moses, Moses, you think it's improbable, it's impractical, and it's impossible, but I'm the great I am. That's from your perspective. I can deal with all of your I am's. When the great I am steps into your circumstances and into your journey, he qualifies you. You are qualified. You are a probable candidate. Not only that, it goes from impractical to practical. It was a practical journey for them. They needed to go from Nazareth to Bethlehem, but they didn't know that. They just had to trust God on it, and they were more than capable of the impossible. In fact, later Jesus said, with men, things are impossible, but with God... All things are possible. And you may be in a difficult place in your journey. You may feel like you are an improbable candidate, that it's impractical timing, and it's certainly impossible in the next steps. Congratulations. You are a prime candidate for a Christmas miracle, okay? And that's my last point. Number three, anticipate a God moment that changes everything. Start your journey with enthusiasm, expect obstacles, and anticipate a God moment that changes everything. That's what happened to Mary. God gives birth by the Holy Spirit to Jesus, which changes the course of history. It validates Mary's story. It energizes shepherds. It draws kings from afar. It wakes up a sleepy village. It clarifies a picture of God. It redeems mankind from the curse, and it gives hope to the future. See, wherever you are on your journey, You may be moments away from God birthing something significant and life-giving in your situation that changes the story for you and for those who you love. And that's what I love about Christmas. The atmosphere is alive with possibilities. The atmosphere is alive with hope because when God is in the equation, anything is possible. So let's go back as we close. What what journey are you on? Maybe it's a health journey that's difficult. Maybe it's a financial journey or a relational journey. Or maybe you're stuck. Maybe it's a career deal. You're in the right place at the right time for God to do a miracle in your life. And it begins with our faith journey. I'm gonna pray and... uh, As I conclude in prayer, your campus pastor, wherever you are, is gonna come and help you take your next steps in your faith journey because your faith journey is the one that kinda umbrellas everything. You get that one right, and the others tend to line up okay. All right, so let's pray. Father, I thank you for this wonderful group of people who have gathered on a Christmas Eve to hear the, the greatest story ever told the story of redemption and love, the story of a God who so loved us that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, as a baby in a manger and then as a teacher and then one who gave his life for us and then rose again, proving that he was indeed God. And so God, tonight I pray that your kingdom would come and your will would be done in this house and in all of the houses where we're gathered. God, in the next few moments, challenge us to the core with what you think about us. 
We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.